might be a reason for what happened, but we are not going to find it here in this room. And if I stand here and ask for compensation or money, then I am, I am saying that I can be compensated, and I can't. I can't bring her back. No money or verdicts or sentences can can bring back what? How can I give this pain to someone else? Someone who has already suffered. And I know she would not want that at all. That is not why my daughter came into this world for the time that she did. Hello and welcome to the Lone Acting Nominees Podcast, a show where I'm joined each week by a guest to discuss a movie that only received one Oscar nomination, that being for one of its performances. We'll talk about the performance in question, the movie as a whole, and its place in the Oscar race, among other things. I'm Gordon McNulty, and this week I'm joined by Valentina Strakovich to discuss Vanessa Kirby's Oscar-nominated performance in the 2020 film Pieces of a Woman. Valentina, good to have you on the show. Ah, thanks, Gordon. Nice to be here. Yeah. So uh, uh, tell me a little bit about why you picked this movie, what your uh, sort of relationship uh, to the movie and in particular to uh, Vanessa Kirby is. Oh, that's that's a quite interesting question, right? Because it always has uh, an answer in my case. Well, of course, I'm a huge Vanessa Kirby fan. That's actually pretty well known. Uh, but also, I, actually, I, I mean, I like the performance. I'm still quite surprised that I never received one nomination, especially knowing the background, what happened with the promo and that stuff. I think it's it's interesting from that perspective. So yeah, but basically, of course, because I love Vanessa Kirby. So yeah, yeah, and there's you're right. There is a lot to talk about. I had like this is still extremely recent in in like Oscar memory, and there was still a lot of stuff that I had completely forgotten about uh in the awards run so it'll be interesting to uh, get into some of that uh but yeah no i'm i'm looking forward to talking about this one with you like this was one of those uh that i mean i i, I just couldn't have had anyone else on this episode this one pretty much like <laughs> airmarked for you the the moment that uh i i decided i was doing this so I'm we flattered by that yes so we are talking about pieces of a woman from 2020 Directed by Cornel Mandrucho, I believe is how that's pronounced. I'm not 100% yeah, on Mandrucho. that, but that sounds right. Uh, written by Kata Weber, uh, based on the play written by the two of them. Uh, starring Vanessa Kirby, Shia LaBeouf, Ellen Burstyn, Molly Parker, Sarah Snook, Elisa Schlesinger, Benny Safdie, and Jimmy Fails. It premiered September 4th, 2020 at the Venice Film Festival. It played TIFF, played some other stuff. Uh, open limited in the United States on December 30th and then opened January 7th on Netflix. This is this is my this is the one Netflix movie on my list. Uh, I yeah. think maybe even the only streaming movie on my list. At least yeah, so far. Really. So far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that... because this year uh well with Olivia Coleman's performance but still got three nominations so it was like Yeah, yeah. Not, I, I think Yeah, I, um We'll talk about Netflix. This is a really interesting year for Netflix, uh, the year yeah. that we're talking about. They had, like, I was looking through the list of Netflix movies. There were so many that I had forgotten were them, and so many that, like, were a thing at some point in the season and then disappeared, and then some that came back, some that didn't, some that yeah, were so, the Midnight Sky. 
Yeah, and also the fact that Netflix actually thought that they had it in the bag, one of them, that it was uh, Chadwick Boseman. They were like, okay, yeah. yeah, this is our win. And nothing happened. And then you have Vanessa Kirby that was somehow, from what I've read, it's that apparently Netflix publicist is the one that was the publicist for um, Harvey Weinstein at that time. So yeah. and a strategy that they had is that they used to buy a movie that they did not want it to do promo or anything, just you know, they buy it and you were like, okay, it's Weinstein. And in this case, it's Netflix. But see, they did no promo. So the movie was like shut down. And that's what happened, actually. That's what I believe that happened with Vanessa Kirby, that she was like, uh, yeah, she was trying to do. And actually, she did a lot of promo, especially knowing that she has a Zoom, COVID and that stuff. But it was like she got nothing. I mean, she got in everything probably because the performance is good. But yeah. then you got something else. Yeah. And a lot of that is like, uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves with the Netflix conversation, but like Netflix had a lot of contenders specifically in be the best actress category this year. Like they had Viola Davis who ends up getting the nomination, but like aside from them, they also had Amy Adams and Zendaya yeah. and Sophia Loren and like even Meryl Streep in the prom uh, was, yeah. I know, talked about it at some point, like they, they had, they had, they had their fingers in a lot of pies in yeah, the and best have, actress category specifically. Yeah, so. and they have figures, you're mentioning figures that are actually quite big. I mean, you had Amy Adams at a certain point when the career first started and nobody actually had seen Hillbilly Elegy. was like, that could be a really nice performance because Amy Adams playing a drug addict, a real story, and it ended up being nothing. And yeah. then you had Vanessa Kirby, which was a very small movie, actually a movie that she even chose. I'm going to say it's an indie movie. It's more a European type yeah. Yeah. And she won Venice. And then it was like, okay, this is a really good performance. And, and you had Kate Blanchett telling her that it was a career defining. Oh, so I guess absolutely. that's like, you had, maybe Vanessa at that time wasn't a big name. I mean, she was already well known because of The Crown, but she wasn't like a big name. Like probably, I wouldn't say she is right now, but she's more like in the spotlight. But you had Kate Blanchett actually saying that and giving an award to her. It was like, oh, okay, this is a performance. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a career level up. I mean, I mean, now she's an Oscar nominee and she always will yeah. be an Oscar. Like, that's part of her career for the rest of her life, no matter what. But, like, it, it definitely got a lot of eyes on her as a dramatic actress and showing a lot of her skills. So, yeah, yeah let's, let's talk about the actual performance that we're talking about here. Let, let's get into what what uh, we like about this performance, how we feel about it in general. Where Where, where do we want to start off here? Well, I think it's a visceral performance. People often talk about the 20-minute entrance of the women giving birth. I mean, Vanessa's character, Martha. I think that's, yeah, of course, that's the moment that defines the whole performance. I don't think, yeah, I, I, as I was saying, it's the moment that defines the performance. I don't think it's like the most dramatic one. It's the one that, yeah, of course, it's a shocker, but then you have the whole after and how she processes. That's something I actually admire that. It's how you can actually see her whole process as a person, as a person who actually becomes a mother for a very brief moment. So I think that that's to me like, wow, you make a lot of contact because she, she, I mean, if you see the 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 performances that she had before in The Crown, she was very showy. That she had the most showy character the first two seasons because. Princess Margaret was pretty eloquent in so many things. And then you had this, that it was pretty mental. And also the fact that she had a monster in scene because she was, her partner was Ellen Burstyn. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was like, she... a 30 year old actress, 32 year old actress playing with this legend that was 80 years old. Yeah. Like who, her. who, like, I, I read somewhere that, like, one of the reasons she was, one of the reasons Burston wanted to do this movie was because she had liked Vanessa Kirby on The Crown and wanted a chance to work yeah. with her. Like, imagine being this young actress who has literal legend Ellen Burstyn being the one talking about how she wants to work with you. Like that is daunting and flattering all all at once. And they she holds her own against Burstyn really yeah, well in this. Like they, yeah. they they go back and forth. Uh they have a good uh uh flawed tense dynamic that yeah. that, that really fits in as much as it does because like I maybe don't love or even really like the movie as a whole. I, I I found on rewatch like a lot of it, I mean, and we'll get into that later because all of my issues are on everything that's not Vanessa, and I I don't yeah. want to get into the that sort of negative talk while we're talking about her because I do think she is really fantastic here, but yeah, uh, yeah just the the way that she's able to take. Uh, to to play off of Ellen Burstyn and make both of their characters feel real in a way that uh, at least Burstyn's character doesn't really feel like much of anything except for the parts where she's talking with Vanessa Kirby when when they're playing off each other. I think that shows uh, a big strength in in what Kirby's doing here and that she is elevating her co-stars and elevating the movie around her. Uh, And it's just, it's a real commanding presence yeah the fact that i i mean the the most defining scene is the one that they share and the the mother ellen burstyn is telling her that if she had followed her advice she would have her baby in her arms and just the way that she actually delivers that line she was like pretty calm and that and you see how she was transforming herself i love that i i don't know if it's i mean as i was saying and of course i mean uh, objective probably never exists in my case with Vanessa it does not exist but the fact that Vanessa is a theater actress probably she has that pre-installed to knowing that okay your co-star is always pretty important and actually in that part is like you mostly what's most important is what Ellen Burson is telling her she was not moving at all she was like, just sitting playing looking at her and I love how she was transforming I mean, the face of Martha, the Vanessa's character is transforming and she, how the camera actually makes a game and shows you Ellen Burstyn. And she was like heavy breathing, just looking at her, just like, okay, I messed it up, but I had to tell it. And I love that because Ellen Burstyn can do anything that she wants. She's a legend at all. But at the same time, she was actually, both of them were, as you were saying, were, were elevating themselves, were doing that like a right dynamic, something that I, I actually never seen. And I'm, it might be wrong for saying it, but I don't think Shia LaBeouf is bad. But I've never actually make it click on the characters, but mostly not for Vanessa. It was like I was always trying, like she was trying pretty hard to make contact and never could. But with Alan Burstyn was like, yeah, that's the, the first first time in the performance that I wasn't seeing her solo acting solo. She was actually acting with someone. Yes, someone uh, that that is is giving back what she's giving, exactly. and like they're playing off each other, and that like that scene. In as much as some of it can, when it's removed from context and you're just seeing the clip of them both shouting at each other, it can feel a little bit overplayed if you're just watching it out of yeah. context. Um, but in the, in the moment, 
I I forgot how much like that does kind of work like like for what the scene is and how the characters have built up which is again tying back to kind of some of my negative thoughts I don't think this is a very well written movie I think there's a lot of issues with the script yeah and the fact that the two of them are able to make a scene like that with dialogue that maybe shouldn't mm-hmm. work the fact that they're able to make it work and make it feel believable I think is all on the back of the two of them as performers and especially on Kirby for taking these mm-hmm. big sort of obvious lines and making yeah. them uh, much more subtle and much more real than mm-hmm. uh, than probably a lot of actors would do. Like a lot of actors would get a script like this with big obvious melodrama and obvious yeah. dialogue and would play into that and would make it big and would make it just like playing to the back row and Vanessa Kirby isn't doing that here for the most no. part. And what the moments where she is, it feels like it's intentional. It feels like that is, I, I, I don't know. I feel like she's playing with the balance of that uh, and not letting it uh, overpower the, the overall performance she's giving. Yeah. It's like, you need that sense. I mean, I agree with you that the fact that if you see the clip solo, it's like, she's shouting a lot. But at the same time, it's like it's totally taken out of context because it's the only time. I mean, the scene, the scene is even longer. Yeah. And you had that that wide shot that she's actually sitting, just just looking at nothing. And the mother starts telling and telling and telling. But it's the very it's the only moment that she was actually shouting and telling oh, yeah. how she was actually feeling. So it's like, oh, wow. You, you, if you see the whole context, it's like you never understand. I remember that Shia LaBeouf's character once says, Martha's fine, she's always fine. And that's the very first time that she shows that, of course, she's not fine. And that she's tired of people actually telling her what to do all the time and all the time and all the time. It sounds very melodramatic, especially something uh, also with an accent. It's like she was trying to play an American character. And at that time she was so pushed by the edge that you actually could actually see, actually hear pretty well that she's actually a British actress. I do agree also with the fact that it's pretty melodramatic at a level that I think that if that could be a telenovela, you know, probably a Latin soap opera would be excellent, perfect fit. But it's it's well in that. Probably yeah. bad for the writing. I think the problem with the writing that I do agree, I have never read the play the thing is that it's a real story and it's a story that actually the screenwriter lived. So I think that in this case, especially that they managed to do it so real, the part of her giving birth, that they were forgetting that you had like an hour and a half rest of movie. Yeah. And like, I, and how do you handle, if you start so up that that happens, how do you handle to manage it? So they were like, okay, we need something dramatic, something weird happening. And that's if they actually wanted to recreate the real what actually happened to them because Mandrusko and Weber actually couple and they lost a child. Just try to keep it more real. But in the thing, I think in the in the pursuit of trying to making it real, but at the same time not trying to actually reproduce what happened to them, they enter into this big cliche. Maybe for Europeans because I mean they're both I think yeah they both from Hungary. I think so. Maybe that yeah. works. But when they try to manage to put it probably in English, the language, I think that's something that happened that it does not probably work. It's still, I know the process. I mean, I, I've heard 
several times to process the Vanessa did. And she was, I mean, of course, she was never going to complain about the script, especially if she was campaigning for an Oscar. But I think that uh, she was like, I had to work with this. And I do understand because she started understanding the, the process of the character. So I do agree that as well. The fact that it's, to me, it's like, it's mixed. Something is, it's way too much in this. It's like, it, for moments, I think it was a rehearsal. She was doing a perfect rehearsal. But for them as a screenwriter and director, wasn't rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. An another scene that kind of fits into all that, that like on the page and as you're sort of describing how the scene plays out, it could and probably is uh, very, very sort of formulaic and, and by the numbers is at the end, the sort of trial sequence mm -hmm. uh, where she's being examined and cross-examined and being asked questions about what it was like when she held her baby and what it was like uh, giving birth and like all these questions that I cannot believe uh, we are supposed to believe would fly in a courtroom that this lawyer is like do you remember if your baby was cold the baby that died do you remember if it was cold so or warm mean. like he's being so rude and so like callous to this grieving mother and, for and no reason was, and how she was being so calculating at the same time she was actually yes. making a whole composture because if I could be in that I mean, I have I have never given birth and have been in, in the moment or something that you can actually compare. And that's something that, I, that Vanessa always mentioned is that she has never been in that. So I think it's a very special moment. But she was like, if you lose someone so special, someone that actually you were carrying, uh, if someone tells you dad, don't, that's so many questions because they were like one, one after the other, just this, 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 this. How do we react? And she was having just a, she was totally and like nothing. But I remember that the the exact moment that they actually that the lawyer asked her, "How did you feel?" And she was like, "How did I feel?" It was like she was actually in that moment, like she was quick and reacting. But I do admire the fact that she, that the script and I, I believe the process of her as an actress that she'd not like start crying and doing the middle of the Probably if she had that scene, that she would be crying. That would be a perfect pitch. And maybe the Oscars would actually eating up all, like, okay, this is it. But it was pretty natural. It was like she was trying to process the question, the answer, the fact that she was in a trial, that people were watching. Yes, exactly. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, e yeah. exactly what you're saying is what, what I was getting at, is that it could have gone so much more over the top and that that we're seeing her keep all of this internal and then struggle to keep it internal and when she ends up calling for the recess she goes and gets the pictures uh uh printed and she sees the photo of her holding the baby for like the one moment where everything was fine yeah. and then when she comes back and again could have been done so much over the top and she doesn't where she goes back up on the stand and gives this impassioned speech about how forgiveness uh, uh, yes forgiveness i can't how could i ever put this pain onto someone else how could i ever possibly do this to you i don't blame you um she there there is one part in that that is like kind of indicative of of how just sort of like the script kind of falls apart if you really pay attention to what they're saying some at some point she says i believe that that this midwife did not intentionally harm my girl and there's like chatter in, in the courtroom of like what we all just assumed that the midwife intentionally murdered this baby what yeah. this is a this is a bombshell being dropped in the courthouse that 
now all of a sudden we're not accusing her of baby murder and like, then you don't know what happened next it's like it cuts and then you had her that you assume it's like at the ending it's trying to be a subtle movie and i do i mean when, when she when she goes to get the pictures it reminds me a lot of the, another performance that i love but penelope cruz in parallel mothers when yes. she was watching the screen you understand that the fact that she was trying to be subtle a human reaction you're not going to be on the street screaming that i mean if it's an oscar bad movie or something to be so cliche someone would actually do it but not in real life so it's like at the ending the movie tries to be really subtle and actually because she was always struggling to make it subtle the movie and in the end she gets it and it's it's perfect because it's sensitive and you understand and it's actually I think it touches your heart, actually. Because it's like, okay, that woman is so resilient. But at the same time, the script does not help at all. Yeah, You don't understand how people are around her. It's like, you're in a courtroom full of people and nobody actually moves. You stop seeing the midwife. It's like, what is this? And yeah, yeah the lawyers magically are going to say, oh, I forgive you. And then suddenly she's okay with her mom. And it's like, what? Yeah, this movie doesn't understand the legal... No. Like the whole time, anytime it cuts back to Sarah Snook talking about the court case, she's just like, oh, yeah, no, everyone in the public hates this woman. We're going to win the case. And that is the extent of her legal opinion is people don't like this lady because of the tabloids. So we have an airtight legal case against her. And it um, makes no sense uh, because if I think from, I mean, in your way, it's a small country. I don't think that it's someone actually happened that could make it to the tablets. You have no. nothing more important actually talking about someone. Okay, that things happen yeah, all th the this... time. I mean, I'm sorry, but mistakes are always making. Yeah, like, like the the infant mortality rate, uh, yeah. especially in home births, yeah. is enough to the point that like, I'm, I'm sorry, but one baby dying without any, like, there's I I'm so confused. Genuinely watching this You're movie, taking a risk. As, yeah, You're taking a risk, and the midwife did birthed your child at a hospital like a normal person. The midwife literally does nothing wrong over the course no. of this movie. I, I don't understand what the movie is trying to accuse her of. I gen yeah, like genuinely. The problem would be the, the ambulance that did not arrive on time because you still need an ambulance. What they something. say, the thing they say in the court case is she that has she has no existence. I mean, the, the, the problem that probably, yeah, it's the woman's, the midwife's fault is the fact that she actually accepted this. Just, I mean, I don't understand exactly by giving birth, but if you start seeing something's wrong, yeah, maybe you should call it. But then and what she does? The, she tells him to call the ambulance and he does yeah. and it gets there. Like there's and genuinely. The ambulance arrives late. So, well, I think there are more people actually involved with the problem. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I had such a hard time following that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and then also, the like, fact that Shia LaBeouf disappears at one moment in the movie, and you don't know what happened. I mean, you do. I, understand. I had to. I had to read the Wikipedia plot summary to find out that Ellen Burstyn pays him to leave their family's life and never return and go to Seattle. Yeah, but she gives I him mean, a check I mean, and drops him off at the airport, and he goes to Seattle and never comes back. And I completely missed that. I, I completely miss it because I think it's actually shown. Uh, to my sense, I think it's my Andresco actually thought, okay, this man is actually problematic, so we're gonna take him off even before uh, the be. things. But it's like you don't get it because also the fact that what he had, what he actually makes the affair that he has with the cousin, 
It's like you don't understand how the things. It's like that's been just for. Uh, I mean, I, I love Sarah Snook, but it's only her character is the one that is like, what is she doing? Yeah, like, nothing makes sense because the husband of her. What what was wrong with that? You're actually putting characters just to have more characters. Yes, Maybe yes, that you is. Don't need them. That's Especially a big just, issue. Like, with the this moment movie. was a play. Yes. Okay. I, I want to talk about that when we get into the next section, and we've moved far off base, uh, but uh, I, I I have a lot of thoughts on that, and I have kind of a theory, not really a theory, but I, I have. Um, but we should probably talk about the big set piece sequence, as specifically for Vanessa, yeah. because every once in a while this will happen. Um, like you mentioned, like this is the scene that the movie is kind of reduced down to, uh, and. I don't want to be uh, like, I don't want to imply that it's the only worthwhile part of the movie. Uh, although like, like the, the only worthwhile section, cause I think there's yeah, good stuff. It's from the one that throughout. is well written, yeah. well directed, well acted, of course, but by all of them, not only Vanessa, I mean, if Vanessa has the central character, but still yeah. all of them, when Shia LaBeouf, you, you understand how he's like, are you okay? What well, this, the yeah. previa, and Molly Parker also incredibly yeah. good in that sequence. Really uh, but good. the one thing that I kept noting throughout this is so uh, she's going into labor and it's like a 24 minute single take uh, yeah. of her from her water breaking to the midwife showing up to them sort of working through it. Uh, they get her into the bathtub. They get her onto the bed. There's complications. She has the baby. The baby dies. And that's like the like 24 of the first half hour of the mm-hmm. movie. Um and the thing that I kept noting throughout is that she's so loud. She's so like verb. She keeps making noises and complaining and swearing and, and talking and burping. <laughs> and at no point does it ever feel scripted or mannered or anything. Like it feels yeah. like this is a woman that I'm actually watching in pain for 24 minutes straight. It's yeah. that natural. It's that realistic in the sort of way she stumbles over herself, the way she'll start saying one thing and then just sort of move into saying something else or just stop talking altogether. Uh, the way she carries herself, the just the look on her face the whole time. It mm-hmm. is, it's like, it does kind of, like that does kind of seal at least conversation around Oscar conversation yeah. for her. Like watching that sequence you could remove the entire rest of the movie. You could have that be the entire movie. Yeah. And it is. That could be the a kind short of... film. And yeah. it'd be. Wow. Stunning. Probably and totally be- I think it would be better than the actual. Uh, movie. Overall movie that we get now. Mm-hmm. Because. Uh, I-, I don't know. Um, I know it was a very painful scene to film of course yes. um i do i quite not remember but i guess that vanessa mentioned she did a lot of research of uh, of course it's noticeable uh because she mentioned that she wanted to be real but also she did not want it to show that that it was scripted that it was something yeah. that she was actually acting but tr- trying to be real I remember her saying that she had read a lot of and, and watched a lot of documentaries and always the scenes when they were actually showing you someone in labor were like sanitized. It was like, okay, woman is getting labor, this, that, cut, and then the baby is already out. And she was like, why? It's a natural process. I mean, a woman having giving birth. 
And then she she even went. I mean, it, it's insane the process that she had to do. Of course, people are not going to care about that when they're nominated for an Oscar. But if she's trying to get into the conversation, she's going to mention it that she actually visited hospitals and trying to watch. And one moment that she was like, the woman was giving birth, and she was like, they are watching, and the woman didn't realize it, that she was her. And after was like, oh, you're Princess Margaret, and she was like, yeah, of course. But because she said that a woman gets into an animal perspective it's like it's a net it's it's yeah. totally the, the it's, only one that probably the human being is not being rational yeah very primal it, it's all it, it's like right. that is we're reduced down to the like totally the the thing that we are all in like the cosmic sense here for uh, yeah it's like when you have pain you don't control it just, just people react in different ways and in sense she was like okay you need to how how is a woman in this stage and for example the burping she was always mentioning that that was something that came totally natural and then the scene I, I believe there was probably only filmed once and i get it because i, I, know, I think they that, did it like six times yeah but I yeah I, I don't remember that cycle because but, but i think that the very first times they were like always cutting at a certain point they needed, to yeah. cut, they needed to cut they needed yeah. to cut and this one was the only one that actually come total fluid and she was like Okay, this she she got so so bad uh, at the ending that she she was like she started crying and and even before the scene cut and the director came by and actually started hugging her because she was like not trying to she couldn't actually came from that stage from that moment from that feeling to being again a normal person I mean I mean a real yeah. person like and I don't think that I mean I believe that she's gonna have a long and I hope she has a long and really great career but i don't think that ever she's gonna even manage that it's like that level it's insane what she did uh, yeah. because it's super insane it's like what are you doing and it's even it's painful to watch very you know, painful like, to watch you want to watch it because in 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 especially very first time that i watched i was like i was like i i don't know if i'm prepared to watch this but at the same time i couldn't take my eyes out of it yeah it, it was, it was like Taking care, so it was uh, the, the performance taking care because you're actually not seeing anything that you don't want to see. You're seeing her, and it was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was. I so I'd seen this movie before when it came out, and watching it again today for this, like I was uh, putting it off. I I was very hesitant to really just dive into this very, very uh, uh, just depressing movie. And yeah. especially for that, like that sequence, I was just straight up not prepared for again, not not ready to to sit through it because it is very, very realistic, very yeah. raw. It feels like she's going through it. it feels like you're watching her act like it feels like we are intruding on a very private moment. Yeah. That and someone I put a GoPro in yes. the middle labor and that they were actually filming and they were like, Ooh. but apparently people a lot of people actually did do that filming an actual woman giving birth just and I don't then, know for what yeah. it's pretty I mean you understand the movie but I think in the in the real life it's pretty like nasty to watch that it's like yeah. why would people wanted to watch that well I think we're also coming at this from having just watched it go terribly wrong. And so mm -hmm. at the very least in real life, what you're hoping for with that is that it ends with this glorious celebration of childbirth and the yeah. myth 
introduction of a new life and you have that at least but in this case it like knowing exactly how things end up knowing that we get that like half second shot of the baby all blue knowing yeah things are going to end up like the fact that you're like hi baby and you're like oh that's it's like yeah i mean i I have nothing to do but at the same time you're watching that you're watching her emotion just putting that she goes through so much pain and then she had the moment that she was like okay look what i did and suddenly no this is a disaster and it's like i think me as an spectator especially the first time i watched it and now the watch and i actually watch it a bunch of times because it's actually pretty strong movie to watch painful i was like that moment that's probably it's been like a minute between the fact that she actually ends giving birth she was handled the baby she sees the baby she holds the baby and it was like no this is wrong you something is wrong and and you start see because you don't see her when you're yeah. seeing the baby blue and you see Molly Parker like trying to yeah you see her looking in dying. the mirror we see Lo- Molly yeah. Parker looking in the mirror we don't see what she sees but we see no. her face drop and then you hear the baby start to like wheeze and yeah. there's like a half second of like oh god oh no oh no oh fuck no. and then you know it just because we were not expecting i i remember when the movie came out in venice of course you're always reading like right now reading and nobody actually have seen the movie except the, the critics and that stuff and you were like how are they going to do it to make it real to not make it sanitized as venice always mentioned and when you watch it it's like i i always try to imagine okay what is going to happen what is going to happen and that moment was like what something i was not even expecting because yeah. it's way too real. Yes. But at the same time, you need to use your imagination because yes. you're not being, you're not being like okay, pushing like okay, see this, this is happening. You're not the, watching the, the baby die. You're not no. watching the life. But you're watching the, but, yeah, but yeah. you're watching the people that are actually being in pain because of that death. Yes, you're seeing the moment where there where it happens without seeing it happen. Yeah. Like it's not cutting away from oh, something's wrong, and then cut to, hey, the baby died. Like, no, we're watching it happen, but just just off screen. And I'm grateful for that. I think yes. that that's something that you're grateful that the director made that decision of not showing you, of not being that... Uh, that uh, yeah, that and, and yeah. gross. And... Not being explicit, not trying to be... I wouldn't say a bad person, but not trying to make you feel bad. Bad in the sense of, okay, I'm dirty by watching yeah, this. Just for just it. for the sake of it, too. Yeah, just like, yeah. Like for it's, no... like it's it's well taking care of the movie, the treatment of all the characters. Because you're really gonna know that the character, the mother is gonna probably mother it's the only one that actually makes sense. It's already in pain and she's gonna be suffering, and that's all that matters. You don't need to know the details you need to be de- that specific i think that's th- that's quite well especially for the development of martha's character yes yes exactly uh-huh is there anything else we want to say about vanessa kirby's performance specifically that she was robbed <laughs> yeah uh, she's... Since it's still robbed. I-, I know that's something to discuss but i think that 
I'm grateful that she got the best that she deserved in the sense that it was her very first uh, lead performance. And that's something very big for her. And also that this is a very indie performance, but very specific, very, very primal. I'm okay with that by saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And like all of that uh, sort of compared against how she is for the second or I guess not even second half, but like the last hour and a half of this movie after all that, where she is very low key for the most part and just sort of mm-hmm. like drifting through life almost is yeah. like a bit of a ghost. A bit Trying of a, to a get shell. life goes by, that's it. And how she manages also the fact that she was actually managing her body because her body was still changing. I mean, her yeah. body had no conscience that she had lost a baby. Yeah, when she, when she had the bags, and because she, you know, I mean, she she was of course she needed to. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's like her body responses as she actually had a baby because she actually had it. It's not that she had an abortion. It's quite different, and I do admire that because she was like they were not trying to push you. Okay, this is how she's feeling. This is her body. This is it. No, she was like just trying to get the one day at a time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. Definitely less showy than mm-hmm. the first sequence, but yeah. she makes the most of it, and she really makes it uh, believable again in a way that maybe the rest yeah. of the movie just fully isn't. And you don't need her like okay, you know that she's gonna have to be breastfeeding, and of course she's not because she does yeah. not have a baby. So it's not like you're seeing her. No, no, you're seeing her. Okay, just suffering. Just okay. This is the thing. I don't have a baby. My body does not know that. How do I react? How, as you were saying, low key, yeah. still, but it was like made an impact. You were watching, you were like, okay, poor woman. Yeah, I think maybe some of that helps in that, for like the latter hour and a half, Shia hmm. LaBeouf has a lot of dialogue. Ellen Burstyn has yeah. a lot of dialogue. The other sort of supporting characters have a lot of dialogue, and. uh like Kirby does have a lot of scenes where she's talking with people, but she also has just as many where she's just walking down the street, walking through these stores, yeah, just sort of very silently observing things. And yeah. when she's not having to uh, to read out this maybe subpar script, uh, we can get at just the plain old acting. She doesn't have to to read off no. these these awkward lines she just gets to be this character in the space and it gives her a lot of leeway and it gives her a lot of room for interpretation and experimentation yeah. like the the scene where she's dancing at the club like yeah it's great it's great physical work showing the just sort of a, a very small moment where she can let the weight off of her shoulders and mm-hmm. just be loose be a real person that's it someone that does not want to think about anything just a moment that you're again it's pretty raw it's pretty animal at the same time it's like she has she's just trying to handle her emotions i do agree on the fact that everyone else had a lot of dialogue and she was very physical i mean everything that you understand how she way she's actually moving through the space for example the when they're having that reunion and she was just going around one another that's something that i actually like about her as a performer it's like i mean she's pretty great when she's talking and she actually makes a great move on her dialogues but when she's not she's like she's not trying to steal the scene but still it's like she has a she has a body language that is pretty interesting and you're seeing that i mean 
with Shia LaBeouf, I think that she's always that he's always on top all the time trying to be because his biggest strength is the word. It's how he actually pronounced everything. And, and still, the greatest part, and it's also a part that is mentioned in the trailer, pretty well mentioned in the trailer, is when he, he says, Martha's fine, she's always fine. Yeah, and that's the best part of him. He doesn't. When then he starts talking and talking, and when he's a lawyer, blah blah blah. But that specific moment is like that helps her as a performance, and then also actually you do understand him as a character, his role, how he's feeling, how he's actually not understanding anything. But with her, it's like her greatest part is when she's not talking. I, I do agree. Especially maybe the final part, or also the part she was delivering her lines with. Ellen Burstyn scene that I think it's really good but then what's best is just her also in that scene with Ellen Burstyn when she when Ellen Burstyn tells her that if she had actually uh, listened to her she had her baby she has like probably two three seconds that she starts heavy breathing yeah and like, wow that's even better than the whole line you don't need the whole line you just need to see her face her expression totally Take it yeah. out of control. Great expression work, great reaction work, great yeah. just like twisting her face to to show you just like a fleeting glimpse of how haunted this woman is by something that she is making great strides to appear as if she has moved on completely and appear yeah, as and if she is just leaving it all in the past. And how she was trying to process what she had just heard, because it's probably something that someone would actually have telling her, like, girl, you can't have your child at home, maybe, or, yeah, maybe the problem was that. I don't know, maybe actually she had actually given birth in a hospital and told her the same thing. Probably not. Yeah, but the whole still, thing is, there's like, no way to know. know. You'll, yeah, but they will still, never know. Like, you know the consequence. You know what happened. Why try to tell her? And actually, why actually blaming her? You're a bad mother, actually. You're a person a terrible yeah. mother for telling her that. And you see her trying to process and being like, because someone in, in, in actually in her place would be like, just trying to kick the hell out of Ellen Burstyn character because like, you're fucking insane yeah. for saying that. She was like, trying the moment to process. Yes. And then she says, you're, too, you're ashamed. And you're like, wow, that woman has so much anger inside her. Not only pain, she has anger. And she's totally okay for having it. Exactly. Totally justified. And that, again, I think does uh, bring some weight to the ending where she ends up being forgiving. And she ends mm -hmm. up, although, like, okay, pause, or not really pause here, but uh, anything else that we want to say about Kirby or do we want to move on and talk about the rest of the movie because I, this can sort of bring me into my overarching thesis about the the movie itself. As you want. I'm okay. A yeah, you're fucking ashamed and I'm ashamed of me that I wasn't a good enough mother to teach you how to stand up and speak for yourself for God's sakes and to deal with this like my mother taught me. After my father went into the ghetto, my, my mother found a shack, an empty shack that she went into and gave birth to me without any help at all. Okay, this movie doesn't know what it wants to say about no. any of its characters or any of its themes. Because 
that moment at the end is supposed to be a big moment of Martha choosing forgiveness. Like that's how yeah. it's framed is that she is the one she is choosing forgiveness in this moment. And that is the strength of her character. The entire movie. She is the justice. She doesn't want to be involved in this legal thing. This, this whole court case is being thrust upon her by Ellen Burstyn and Sarah Snook mm-hmm. and Shia LaBeouf. Like, Everything that you were saying about Ellen Burstyn being a terrible mother for like saying these vicious things to her, that's how everyone treats her immediately. Like yeah. there's the scene where they're getting the the epitaph for the baby and uh, they spelled the name wrong because Shia LaBeouf behind her back decided that it was going to be a different spelling. And mm-hmm. everyone like Burstyn and LaBeouf are so mean to her in that scene Everyone is like the the sister that is married to Benny Safdie and has nothing to do at one point just shouts, you need to go to therapy like it's like it's an insult. Like everyone is so mean to her for no reason. And it's like, is the movie taking whose side is it really on about anything? Is this movie anti midwife? Is this movie anti home birth? Is this movie anti anything i don't the movie genuinely doesn't know what it wants to be about because it just presents all these morose depressing things Mm -hmm. and doesn't give you any sort of insight into any of them like it's it's a it's a very shallow script it's a very hollow empty script that is just misery for the sake of misery at the end yeah and the fact that in the ending as you were saying the ending it shows you that okay you need to forgive that's fantastic. But she was actually... She's been forgiving after, the whole time. Her, she was forgiving all the time. So what you're actually telling me is that she actually just told everyone to go fuck themselves. And of course not, because you actually see at the end that she's actually having the coffee with her mother. But what I mean is that you're actually implying that, that she was forgiving, actually telling everyone to fuck off, or actually that everyone was actually recognizing that they were wrong with her. Because in the ending, it's like, you are putting an enemy that is not even an enemy. It's a midwife. And she was actually the person that was actually never presented as a villain because she was always watching her, especially in the trial. And you were like, poor woman. Yeah. Okay, it was wrong. She made a mistake. I'm sorry. But the fact that if you work in this type of things with human beings, you're always, I mean, you can actually make a mistake. It's implied in the part. It's part of the job. That's the risk. And then you're always, that's the enemy. The whole movie, that's the enemy. That's the enemy. And you're never watching the other ones. The script is never actually pointing at all of them. They're all exactly just trying to put themselves first. Ellen Burstyn is the most noticeable one, but still Shia LaBeouf's character. And Sarah Snook is, I'm sorry for saying, it's a total bitch because it's the worst character. It's the yeah. most like, she just wants to great make, I mean, do a great trial because that's a benefit for her, her career. Because this is like apparently, yeah, she she starts sleeping with her cousin's husband while she's representing them for the the loss of their child. Like that is that is the most cold hearted thing for no reason. And okay, so this is the other thing that I said I was going to put a pin in and and come back to is that. So I I also haven't read the script of the play. I don't really know much beyond the sort of. know if it's available now that i'm trying to think yeah. because as i was saying that they're hungarian i don't know if the, the, it's even for i mean if for it's been translated yeah i don't know yeah um, 
the one thing that I saw, like I, I saw a brief sort of summary of uh, what's in it. And it's only two scenes. And it's mm-hmm. the birth scene and the dinner scene with the family. Uh, the scene where they all come yeah. over and it, it ends mm-hmm. with the whole shouting. Those are the only parts of the of the play. Uh, yeah. In adding, in like sort of beefing it out to make it a, a feature length movie, they added the whole subplot about the trial based mm-hmm. on a similar sort of sub like real life story about about a midwife that was mm-hmm. uh, put on trial for something similar. Uh, I didn't read too much about that, but like you feel that so much because every other character feels so empty and yeah. nothing like one like, layer. You don't see anything of the sides. You don't understand the motivations. Benny Safdie like, is just is sort missing. of Benny Safdie is there to be kind of clueless uh, yeah. car salesman that is having extended riffs about the white stripes and time heals all wounds. For and no nothing reason. Else. Uh, and just okay. confused to say, oh, Ben Tuffy. Yeah. That's Sa- it. Sarah Snook is there just to fuck her cousin's husband and leave an earring in their car and be a lawyer. And like, that was another thing. The movie doesn't trust the audience to pick up on the subtleties that it's trying to give you. Like, no. you have the scene where the sister pulls up and is like, hey, here's an exposition dump. I thought you quit. Here's my, our husbands are talking to each other. He, your husband sold the car. Here's an earring that was in it. It's not yours. Mom is getting worse with her dementia. She almost set the house on fire. Bye. And like all of that is over the course of like a three minute conversation. And then again, like five minutes later, we see Sarah Snook and uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf like getting dressed after sex. And you see like the movie takes the, the, the time to be like, hey, in case you didn't pick up on the earring thing, she lost one of her earrings. Here, she's going to notice it. Like, it's it's really yeah. just like making sure you are too stupid to get the connection between these two things that happen in, over the course of five minutes. Here they yeah, are. Back then you back. have this moment having just pain. Uh, and, and also means like you never try to see any sides of the other characters, which I think it's pretty important. Especially, I think Shia LaBeouf's character could actually be more... I mean, if you actually started putting, I do like the whole thing with Ellen Burstyn, but if you actually spend less screen time with her and more screen time trying to understand the relationship that Martha had with her husband, we'd much better. I mean, he's even a drug addict. Yeah. He's, he's a recovering addict. So it's like, that's something pretty interesting because you actually try to, to my taste, it would be like, I would like to know how she actually, because she seems like a very professional person. She's a very professional person. Yeah, how'd she marry this well, construction like, how'd she worker? How'd marry this man? Who is that so... Had nothing in common. Yeah, I was thinking that, this, like, how did this happen? This man who, like, spends every opportunity to shit to talk, her her, his, like, to talk about how much he, he violently hates her mother to her face. Mm-hmm. And, and he's pretty violent at all levels. Everyone is actually yes. so violent with he her. Throws, he throws the medicine her. ball at her and calls her a bitch and a clown and walks off because why? No reason. He just does that. He just lashes out and then sells the car and fucks her cousin and then leaves because the script, the they just, they needed to get rid of the character. He couldn't be there at the ending. Uh, yeah, it's not an elegant way to exit him. It's yeah. just, it's just, to the, point, room. Okay. to the point that both of us missed it happening 
Hmm. We both didn't yeah. realize that w- that's what was happening in watching the movie. I had to read it and be like, oh, yeah, that's why he just yeah, at this moment, because that's... it has that when, when it had to give you a very important information, very specific or information that you actually need for understanding anything. It's just five seconds. And you're like, OK, something I'm missing. I don't know if that's in a strategy of Mandruska featuring Netflix to make you like going backwards and understanding, but still it's like, what is going on? This is important. You could actually, I mean, I love the scene that she was actually dancing and I understand so many things, but the fact that she was actually almost kissing that man, that random man that that she actually meets. Well, okay, you could actually... uh, and that and tell me a little bit more if I, I find something with her husband she's never she's like this that okay like yeah that's and like one. that's a, that's another character that has nothing to do that's like nothing. jimmy fails who at this point is like coming off of the last black man in san francisco at, at like that was a big indie like as far as indie movies go that was a big one he was very good in that it was like here's the next thing he does he has two scenes and maybe one line and that's all he has in the movie. And like, like what's the point of that character at all? If you're not going to do anything with him, nothing. And it's like, okay, you understand that you, that she needs something. She needs to just having her chaotic moment, make him a character, make, make him anything, but would it make it sense? Give her something. Yes. And no, instead we get 20 seconds of Benny Safdie, Forgetting to carry the umbrella over his wife before they go inside the house for dinner. We get also, like 20 yeah, seconds of Sarah Snook basting a duck because Ellen Burstyn is too far gone with whatever mental something or other they've decided. See, to... Yeah, but she's like too mental for that. But then for but, telling her that she. Yeah. No, I just it's... remember that story that she that, gave that, 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 that her mother the first. It's like what? Yeah, her her mother gave birth to her during the Holocaust in a shack and stole food and kept her just alive enough. That that was also something like that whole speech that Ellen Burstyn gives. I don't remember if it was improvised or if she wrote it herself or something, but that's not in the I script. That's bad. something either way, that's something that Burstyn came up with as backstory for the character. Um Yeah, and also so, for for making you having like more Oscar buzz because it's like, oh, this monologue they giving by this actress who's like in her eighties, amazing. That's her moment. That's why we are having Ellen Burstyn. But then I, I like, wonder if Burstyn did that on purpose. If she was like, you know what, this character doesn't have a big emotional speech. I'm gonna give I myself a big emotional speech. I need I, a monologue. I I kind oh, of wonder if that was the the, the reason. Very, the, and like, very good for her if so. Like yeah, I mean it's messy. She's a just that it does not gives me anything for the movie. Yeah, I, I need something else. I, I need to understand. It's like the movie tries to give you so many information at one moment, but then so just nothing out of other moments that you need it. So it's like it's a short movie. I think it's ninety minutes or something more. I, no, I don't it's, think it's it's like two hours and seven minutes. It's two hours. It's more than like two this. hours. Well, I sort of got to be fair, like. Like 15 minutes of that is credits. It's like a yeah. it's like a 15 minute credit sequence, but it's on Netflix as two hours and seven minutes. Yeah, well then that was the, like I was saying because I, I believe that I read that it's like 100 probably. I, I think it sounds short for me probably because I need information. Something is missing for me. It's like I you're it's like probably like 
uh, Gonzalo Signore to telling I need to cut border 22 minutes. I think if this happens, the same thing. It's like, oh, no, this is seeing nothing. And then it's like I'm missing information. I, I'm also missing from the very first part when she was like um, with a car and that stuff. It's like I don't even understand the relationship. It's like you don't look like this. I know that people are not like fairy tale and that stuff but it's like you're people that you're actually having a baby and this woman is giving you so many things and it's like you're actually giving so many for this man that does not even react and he's like I yeah. what's wrong someone is not acting and something of the script is just wrong yeah also like on, like only kind of related to what you were just saying but it is I had kind of forgotten that Burston is playing her mother and not her grandmother because yeah. like when you look at the actual age gap uh, Ellen Burston would have been 55 she would have been 55 when she gave birth to uh, uh Vanessa Kirby if we're going by the ages that the actors actually are which like I don't know about that I, I don't know if Ellen Burston necessarily reads as the mother of a 30 year old in this no, movie. <laughs> I mean, she's not a person. I mean, I mean, Vanessa Kirby. In some moments, she looks like an older person, but still, you don't think that she's older than thirty-five. Yeah, yeah thirty-five. No. But then you see Shia LaBeouf. They don't look like an old couple. They look like a early thirties couple. They don't even look like a couple. Like they, no, they don't, don't look. They look don't look like fit. a couple. They Something don't stick together with glue just because it glues. And then you have Ellen Burstyn that is like, she does not look like a person that, I mean, if you put, I don't know, Jane Fonda could be even miscast in the age gap and age yeah. Fonda looks fabulous for her age. Like who, who would have been like, age. like in their 60s, in their like mid to late 60s around. I could understand um, Kristen Scott Thomas. Yeah. It made much more sense to me. I've always been thinking, okay, which actress would be better? Scott Thomas, British actress. She, yeah, I mean, she's blue-eyed. She actually kind of. Oh, perfect. actually, I just looked up actresses that are in their sixties, and top one on the list kind of has a, a similar vibe to uh, Vanessa Kirby. Would have been a really good sort of like vindictive, selfish mother, Michelle Pfeiffer. Totally. Imagine Michelle, like, that's a totally different character. She is not an Ellen Burstyn type. But like, I'm not saying Burstyn is bad, but I'm telling you that I'm always, like, confused when watching the movie yeah. and watching her. It's a good performance, yeah. but an entirely unrealistic dynamic between the two of them as yeah. mother and daughter. But yeah, so I was saying, Michelle, Michelle Perfect seems like a perfect cast for me, but then Kristen Scott Thomas. Yes. Why putting... And I, I'm even thinking about the son now that Anthony Hopkins has one scene and he's playing um, Hugh Jackman's father. And then like, the, okay, I get it because Hugh Jackman is, is, is in his 50s. And yeah. uh, I, think, and it, I think Anthony Hopkins is even younger than Ellen Burstyn. Yeah, uh, I'm looking it up I now. Mean, I don't know. Anthony Hopkins is going to be playing Vanessa Kirby's brother. <laughs> yeah. That logic... Uh, Ho uh, Jackman is 53, Hopkins is 84. So yeah, he would have been like 31. Like, that is entirely believable. That, 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 yeah, that is... Not Ellen Burstyn giving birth. I know that technology and science and blah, blah, blah. Have, and so many people, I think that Holly Hunter even had it by twins, by, by her late 20s. And I know Rachel Weisz 
had a child like in 40, with 48. But 53, especially 48, it sounds pretty logical to me. Yes. Yeah, and I don't know. does not make sense. And you're not trying to... Uh, you don't need to say, okay, people can actually have a child by the age of 40. I mean, my mom had me with 40. But... It can. Not, it just it doesn't translate. It doesn't translate no, on screen. It just actually misses the point. It's like you're because when I watched the movie, I was like, "What?" Especially for a movie about family relationships and about motherhood, yeah, like it just fundamentally, it fundamentally doesn't get. The, no, and then you have the Holocaust. Uh, yeah, for for like half like, a second, like you you get one passing drop of the fact that uh she was born after her father was like shipped off to the ghettos and and her mother Nothing. like hit in a shack implies that she was born in the 40s then you had this character that was late 80s it gets me more confused i think it distracts you it does when you were when you were it's like you're you're trying to make your counts inside your head okay if she was born in this time how old is this woman yeah. It's distracting. It's not the point of the movie. You're distracting the spectator because you're like, what? Yeah. Uh, what else about? Oh, we 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 kind of talked about her briefly, but Molly Parker is actually very good in this movie. I think it's I, even I think, better than Ellen Burstyn oh, to me by a lot, actually. Like Burstyn right. has some good sequences, and then she has some parts where she kind of falls back on the old lady Ellen Burstyn kind of warble yeah. voice. But Molly Parker is just. All you know fantastic. Funny. You know what's funny about Erin Burstyn? Because I read that Vanessa Kirby mentioned several times that one of her biggest inspirations for actually taking this role oh, was yeah. Julian Lance in A Woman Under the Influence. Quite ironic that Ellen Burstyn won the Oscar. It was like, I remember when I first read it, I was like, oh, Vanessa, your campaign? Yeah. Your campaign manager should call you and tell her, oh, this is wrong what you're saying. But coming back to Molly Parker, I think she's amazing. She has, yeah. I mean, she only has two scenes. And one of them, she's not doing, part. one of those scenes, she's just sitting silently sitting in a courthouse. At it. But yeah. I think that's pretty great, the fact that you should only see her face. Because I know that the the camera at certain point actually focused on Ellen Burstyn, but it does not make a huge impact as it makes Molly Parker because she's the one that is more hurt. She's the one that is actually could go to jail. She's facing a trial. Everything, her life her is ruined. Career. Everyone she hates her. She's like she's like she's in the tabloids and in the news as yeah. being this she this baby killer. Putting against. Yeah. She's the number one enemy. Like they're treating and, her like like it's a Casey Anthony story, yeah. which is Makes wild. Sense. It is it's like she's worse than OJ. Yeah. I don't think OJ was the worst enemy that apparently Molly Parker's character is. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Again, speaks to how sort of flimsy the script is that they just sort of put this in there to make it more of a plot to I'd make also there be into the US because, as you were saying, infant mortality and I mean, uh, security, I mean, social things in, in the US, especially when it comes to, to health, it's pretty raw. Yeah. Uh, so if you are people that are actually born raised in Europe, that if the it's the total different reality, why having to translate it to the I think it's not even made into because the movie was shot in Canada. 
but still i don't think they're quite aware of that yeah that they don't get at that aspect like, at all no no and i think that's important because even to me that in latin america specific in in uruguay we're pretty advanced in that sense it does not even make sense why could you go to a trial i mean it's bad yeah of course it's bad but you have to see all the points and you're not even seeing the whole the, the, all the perspectives so it, to me it's like if you start analyzing it it's wrong yeah it but not make sense again valentina they don't have time to talk about this stuff they need to spend three minutes explaining the intricacies of the white stripes to sarah snook yeah they need to. They need to know that they were that's important. a husband that's and wife. Something that's that's important. important. Yeah. Not the rest of the thing. Not how society cares about healthcare or plot or who Nobody these characters are supposed to be. Remember and the white stripes? And then remembering how much they paid this woman. <laughs> because great trial. You're receiving money. Because they're always talking about money. It's like money, money, money. You spend so much money on this. Oh, you care about money. Okay, so that's all that matters. You lost a child that uh, you carry money, but not about that apparently so healthcare is totally bad. Again, everyone else in this movie except for Martha is a crazy person. Yeah. She is totally the only real person in this movie surrounded by just ghouls. Yeah. It's it's wild how how yeah. insincere probably, the characterization. In, in, I, I believe that uh, the play probably works so much better and makes total yeah. sense. I would, I would absolutely imagine that. I think this yeah. just, it fails in the fact that... Fails into putting the, it from a play to, to a movie. Yeah, Something and to movie that, length. A play that yeah. is two scenes into movie length, adding no, a subplot no. and characters that don't fit into the the themes of the the original context and it just weakens it as a whole yeah i i don't necessarily like i i don't want to put the blame on uh uh, mundrucho and weber because this is their story and obviously Mm -hmm. there's a lot of of weight behind that and i think it's just the case of this is a hard story to adapt into a feature length and they just went about it in the wrong way and it it just didn't come together uh yeah yeah also i admire i admire the fact that they tried to put it to show it and it succeeds in the fact of showing that how she gives birth but in the rest it fails totally so it's like you want to be remembered for one thing that is quite well shot and scripted, I guess. Yeah. Or you want to be remembered because the rest does not work. I don't know if the risk is good enough. Yeah. But yeah, still, I, I think one that actually needed to be praised and deserved it was Vanessa Kirby. So I'm fine with that. Yes, we, we've been so negative so much for the, the last section. I, I do want to tie it all back. <laughs> all of that to say, Vanessa Kirby is still great in this movie and (laughs) yes if you're going to watch the movie watch it for her otherwise there's really not a whole lot you're gonna Uh, be disappointed probably yeah or just like easily distracted even just because it's very 
there, there's nothing really visually compelling outside of that sequence. It's very flat no. and and uh, uh, gray and just sort of dull. Uh, the score, the Howard Shore score, is kind of kind of bland as well. It's just sort of like playing the hits. Dramatic, yeah. standard, but dramatic. Dramatic score. piano and strings, and that's about it. Uh, and probably does not need anything else. But I think again that probably Mendelska was uh, thinking in a perspective of a play of the theater. The thing is yes. that if you're going to script something from theater to a movie you need to know that entertainment type is totally different and i think he's missing that exactly yeah yeah i think that that pretty much nails it uh, mm. is is there anything else we want to say about the movie itself or do we want to move on and talk about some oscar stuff move on move on the academy has recognized some outstanding performances this year 25 years ago, she made her Broadway debut in an August Wilson play. Tonight, Viola Davis is nominated for bringing to life another of that great American playwright's work as the lead actress in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. You were luminous in that role, Viola. Andrew Day, it's hard to believe the United States versus Billie Holiday is your first major film role. You seamlessly embodied the icon and reminded us that Billie Holiday was a survivor and a fighter. Vanessa Kirby, you went there for your performance in Pieces of a Woman, which is why your peers have recognized this fearless and vulnerable performance. Frances McDormand, in this untethered moment, we needed your performance in Nomadland. You took us into a world hiding in plain sight with charisma and endearing transparency. Carrie Mulligan, you knew the risk you were taking with Promising Young Woman. Congratulations on a performance that was painful, witty, and powerful. Okay, so yeah, let's uh, let's talk about some of that. I do. I I wrote down a lot of Netflix movies from this year that were either Oscar nominees or Oscar contenders, or just sort of like were in the conversation that they also had. So just to put it in the context of the campaigns they were running, they also had Mank and The Trial of the Chicago Seven and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Hillbilly Elegy. And uh, the White Tiger got a screenplay nomination. The Midnight Sky got like a a couple nominations, I think. The Five Bloods got a score nomination. The Life Ahead got a song nomination. Uh, Eurovision got a song nomination. And then you also have stuff like Malcolm and Marie and I'm Thinking of Ending Things and The Prom and The 40-Year-Old Version. And they just, they had a lot of movies on their plate. A lot of movies. And uh, you can see why something like this, which is getting a lot of praise for its for one well I guess two performances Burston did get a lot of a lot yeah, of buzz uh, but... the one that was actually even praised at a festival that had one of the greatest actors of all time as president of the jury just saying this was a career defining performance that was like okay this is your horse this is the thing that you actually need to be praising yes but but you can see why they don't although uh, at least according to the wikipedia they did campaign a lot like they they had Weirdly, okay, the the thing that it, it said that really baffled me is that they didn't have Molly Parker listed on their campaign ads, but no. they did have Benny Safdie and Jimmy Fails. Yes, I I don't understand that at all. That's no. a wild choice. That's a wild decision to make to not yeah, put just... Molly Parker 
I don't remember, but Shia LaBeouf was Buddhist lead, right? I think they I think they had him in well the thing is this movie well, one comes moment out. they had him as lead and they was like okay no this is because if he was the lead then Ellen Burstyn should also be a lead so I think they not... had him in supporting though I think but I think like, yeah but but it didn't matter either way because this movie comes out like right around the time that a uh, FBI yeah. twigs sues him for uh, domestic yeah, assault I... and Netflix just pulled his name from all of their their campaign. Yeah, because I do remember that uh, she always mentioned that she had nothing to do, and people sort of uh, try to blame at a certain point Vanessa for just not mentioning anything about the case. But the thing is that I remember that she was saying it's not my thing, and it's in hands of the justice. And that's right; that's all that she actually needed to say. Yeah, she had nothing to do. He was a colleague. That's it. No. But yeah. I remember that when she received the ball pickup, she somehow thanked him as a partner. And that's okay because he was her partner. Yes. And, and, and it was like I'm before. Sorry, get it into the personal. Yeah. We, we don't have to dwell too much on it. There's, it is yeah, an ever evolving story in the culture that we are watching play out, yeah. I guess. I don't know. But probably, yes, that actually did that hurt her campaign. Maybe I don't, I don't think, think so. I, th- I don't think her campaign was hers because I mean, if her campaign was going to be hers, she could be nominated for anything at all. And, and also, she had it, nothing to do. It happens so like that happens not late in the season because this is the extended season where like campaigning runs through to March, so there's yeah. still a good few months. But like at that point, she had already built up enough mounting buzz around she had already her. won the 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 Balpi. i mean yes. as i was saying she when she mentioned him she mentioned him during her speech for the Balpi cup yeah that's it that's nothing else i mean yeah. she did not win anything else for giving a speech but still then when she was always campaigning especially for natalie she was doing the segments i remember she did a video with uh, Rosamund Pike, and then she did another conversation with Gary Oldman. She never mentioned him as a co-star. She was mentioning her process, and in the end, I think Netflix did good in that, because the only thing that mattered was that, and also Ellen Burstyn was giving uh, interviews, because she was even nominated for a Critics' Choice. I don't remember she was nominated yeah. for anything. I, I, I have it all written down. I have... We'll, we'll get yeah, it I, I do second. remember the yeah. Critics' Choice nomination. I, don't rem- I, I know for SAG and Golden Globe, no, but then she was always mentioning her because, again, interviews she was making, she was giving her them with Ellen Burstyn, so that's what matters. And, of course, you have an Oscar-winning legend giving your back, so that's all that mattered. Yeah, and I, I don't remember who this interview was with but there was some point where someone mentions to her that like if she got nominated for this she would be the Clayton Davis that was an interview oh, with yeah. Clayton Davis she, she would be the oldest Oscar nominated mm-hmm. actor of all time and I remember her saying like okay yeah let's do it let's 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 make that happen for me I would like to yeah. be that I, yeah, I thought yeah, that was very course. very funny yeah and and how genuine also uh Vanessa, I remember a lot of people praising her reaction because Vanessa was like, wow, that's amazing. And she was truly genuine, flattered by that, by actually, I mean, her partner was was giving that. And so in a very typical award season, having an actress, this type of actress, that she was actually still a newcomer in films. She was a newcomer, totally. It was her first lead role saying that, actually praising 
even more than her own performance. I was like, okay, you have this very nice actress. So I think that I can say benefit her, but actually it would be like, that's a great entrance for her into yeah. this crazy award season. Exactly. Uh, and we can sort of talk about some of that crazy award season. I have written down. Wow. Worst stuff season here. ever. Wild. wild. But at the very <laughs> least, like best actress was interesting. Yeah, it was a typical. I, I think that it what makes it worse is the fact that, of course, was so zooming. So you never had them mentioning anything. But yeah, Best Actress was truly remarkable. Yeah, so just looking at some of the uh, wins and nominations that this movie got, starting off at Venice, it is uh, in competition for the Golden Lion, which it loses to Nomadland. Like you mentioned, Vanessa Kirby does win the Volpe Cup for Best Actress, and the movie wins something called the Arca Cinema Giovanni Award in a tie with mm-hmm. a movie called Listen. I don't know what that award... I'm not super well-versed on the the minor awards that they hand out at Venice, but it yeah, won. Yeah, Venice has like a parallel section that they give random awards uh, and you're like, I, what? Yeah, I, I've had that they come up multiple before. times, I think. with I've, I've done a couple movies that premiered at Venice that uh, they always throw it something that I've never heard of. I think maybe yeah. Glenn Gary Glenn Ross was one of them, although that might have been Can. I, I don't okay. remember. Uh, but Lemon won something for that. Yeah. And it, was, it was either the Volpe Cup or the the uh, the Can Best Actor Prize or something. Hmm. Uh, anyway. Uh, Vanessa is nominated at the Golden Globes for Best Actress in a Drama. That lineup ends up being the exact same five that are Oscar nominated. Uh, the winner being Andra Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday, future episode Holiday. of the show. Uh, uh, SAG Awards, Vanessa is nominated with uh, Amy Adams for Hillbilly Elegy showing up over Andra Day with Viola Davis winning for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm -hmm. Uh, The BAFTA Awards, this is the first year of BAFTA going into their juries rather than... Weird comedy. Weird voting process. Yeah, but at the very least, it's like, finally, one of these major precursors is not just trying to predict the Oscars. It is... And like, there's some the really cool picks. She was in here. the only nominated fra- on with Frances McDormand that actually make it to the final five. Yeah, so so she's nominated. Frances ends up winning for Nomadland. Then you also have Alfred Woodard and Clemency, which is really cool. Uh, Bookie Bakrai in I don't know if I pronounced that name right either in yeah. Rocks. Uh, Rada Blank in the Forty Year Old Version, which is another extremely cool pick. I am so I had forgotten that it happened, and then when I was writing this down, like. That, yeah, that I is so cool. So cool that they actually went for her. And then uh, Wunmi Masaku in his house. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Critics' Choice, uh, like you mentioned, Burston actually does get nominated here alongside the the eventual five Oscar nominees with the winner being Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film. Uh, Vanessa's nominated. Also, you get, uh, it's the Oscars uh, five nominees plus... Sydney Flanagan for Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, mm-hmm. and Zendaya in Malcolm and Marie. Because remember when that I was know, almost a thing? Remember three nominations for Netflix. Yeah, yeah, and like that's also on top of again Amy Adams, Sophia Loren, mm-hmm. Rada Blank, also in a Netflix movie at BAFTA. Uh, a lot, of, lot of Netflix in the Best Actress race this year. Yeah, uh, which they didn't they also have like half of the supporting actors, or was that just like? 
Did they just? Oh. It, was it just? Uh, no, because one night in Miami was Amazon. Never mind. Yeah, Never I, mind. I was. I, I almost had that same thing, but no, no. But they had two in Best Actor. They had Gary Oldman and Chadwick Boseman. Gary. They yeah. had Glenn Close and Amanda Seyfried and mm-hmm. Maria. It's... No, because Borat no, Sassoon was also Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, never mind. But yeah, a lot of. I mean, obviously, this is the this is 2020. Mm-hmm. This is the pandemic. Almost everything is going to be streaming. Everything is um, a platform. So yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that actually reminds me. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But I, I have a thing I want to propose. What else do we have here? London Film Critics Circle. Vanessa is nominated for Best Actress and Best British and Irish Actress. Ellen Burstyn is nominated for Supporting Actor or Supporting Actress. There's a bunch of critic stuff that shows up here. Vanessa is nominated at Dallas, Fort Worth, Georgia, Minnesota, Music City, Washington, D.C., New Mexico. Burstyn's nominated at New York. Or she wins the New York Film Critics Online mm-hmm. uh, and North Dakota. She's nominated. And they're both nominated with. Uh, Denver, Detroit, Alliance of Women Film Journalists, Greater Western New York, Hawaii, Hollywood Critics Association, Houston, North Texas, San Diego, St. Louis, whole bunch more. A lot of a uh, lot of critics love for the both of them uh, throughout the season. Although Burston really only goes as far as Critics Choice, uh, and obviously Kirby makes it all the way. Mm-hmm. But outside of them, like that's about it as far as staying in the conversation longer than post venice predictions where people are thinking hey maybe this could be a director thing because of that one sequence maybe in yeah and also, she was an e-commerce she's not an american actress i think i mean she did a pretty great career in that did yeah. i want her to win yeah probably but still it was her first major big role that's it yeah prior to this it's like what hobbs and shaw and mission impossible <laughs> Yeah, like she had no, nothing. I mean, she had a very, yeah, but probably. Oh, and movie. the crown. But I mean, like as far as movies. Yeah, the crown, and then she had the world to come. That it's the movie that she did with. Oh yeah. But it was actually released the same time as *Business of a Woman*. Both movies were released in Venice, so she had nothing else. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that I did write down, uh, not because it's any type of precursor, really, but because it was funny. Uh, at the Alliance of Women Film Journalists Award, uh, Burston is nominated for Best Actress Defying Age and Ageism, which she loses to Sophia Wren, <laughs> which makes sense. Like, that's cool. Like, that, that's totally. like, hey, you're still working. That's fu- her category. But the funny one, though, is that uh, Vanessa Kirby is nominated for Bravest Performance, which makes sense. <laughs> this is a very brave... Like, yeah, she's, yeah. She's getting at some very... They intense... have this very particular uh, yeah. categories that yes. you're like... So she's nominated for Bravest Performance for this very earnest, heartfelt performance. She loses to Maria Bakalova for Borat, uh, which the bravery, I guess, is brave enough to be in a room with Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. That's that's even, that's even yeah, that's braver than uh, giving birth. That's yeah, your... yeah there, there's real life threat going on there. Yeah. Also, again, just not to not to rag on the Alliance of Women Film Journalists, but uh, not directly tied to the movie. But they they also do a, a Hall of Shame thing every year, uh, and Shia LaBeouf is nominated into their Hall of Shame. He's he does not win, I guess. I guess this I is still a voted thing. Nominated I'm... just for the for the uh, alleged domestic abuse, not for anything. 
Uh, yeah, but still, he's in there. So it's a tie. It's a tie between the yeah, harassment yeah. cover-up at Cinestate, which makes sense, but mm-hmm. also Christopher Nolan for putting Tenet out in theaters instead of putting it on streaming, which is apparently more shameful than Shia LaBeouf being an abuser. It's Shia LaBeouf being an abuser. That's, That's quite concerning for an alliance of women. Yeah, that, that Tenet was put out during the pandemic mm-hmm. and that he was adamant about putting it in theaters. Weird. Just think. Weird choice. There's always weird choices yeah. on these kinds of it things. Not, yeah, it does not make sense if you don't have a weird choice. Yeah, that, that's that's why we make these these weird fringe critics groups just for the sake of documenting our weirdness. Um, Before we talk about the actual nominees, the other uh, Best Actress nominees and talk about some of them, uh, I was thinking uh, the other day, because this is the the first pandemic year, the first Oscars within the pandemic, a lot of things got pushed. A lot of movies got pushed into last year's season. Uh, One of those movies that got pushed was The Eyes of Tammy Faye. That was originally going to be a 2020 release. How how do we think this season would have played out with Jessica Chastain in the mix? I don't think she would have won, that's for sure. Uh, And I'm afraid for saying that because I, I was a Jessica Chastain fan. It's weird because if it could be a normal year, Maybe Vanessa would campaign more. And I think the strategy would be totally different. So I tried to believe that she could not be out of the conversation. But I do think that Jessica Chastain might have been a lock. Yeah, I, I think... But still, it, it's weird because you have pretty like big performances like Carrie Mulligan and then you have Frances McDormand. Of course, it's the name herself. And then you have... Jessica that can paint a lodge and a lodge and a lodge and a lodge. Uh, but it's weird because it's weird even her case because a lot of people this year actually thought, okay, Jessica Chastain is the one that is fragile and she ended up winning. I don't yeah. know. How, so it's pretty weird. I think she could be nominated. In which one would be out? Uh, to me, I don't... I, I think that maybe Andrew Day or even carry at a certain moment yeah it's there's so many moving parts to this race to try to to yeah like i mean people would say how can you say andrew j is the most weak one that she won the golden globe yeah but but she didn't get nominated anywhere else i mean she got first choice she didn't get a sag nomination no and the golden globes are not quite a very like remarkable precedent for anything i mean this year nicole kidman won and nobody cared about her at all during the whole season. Yeah. That's another weird moving part to consider is that at at least at the beginning of 2020 or so, that movie was still slated to be made with Kate Blanchett and Oscar Isaac. And then when it got pushed, they dropped out and that's when Kidman and Bardem got attached. So like, maybe you would have Uh, a Kate Blanchett being the Ricardos. To, to consider as being a part of this race. You I also would totally have, prefer like, what happened in the ending. Maybe yeah. not for Isaac, because I would totally actually have loved to see him playing... Um, Desi Arnaz? Yeah, he would have been. Desi Arnaz. I think better than Bardem. Bardem's yeah, it's totally not good a much better movie. choice. Latino, he's a quite great actor. He's and charming. Actually, this, 
Yeah, and, and this year's was very like, charming. Bardem is also charming, but in a very different way. Oscar Isaac has yeah. the Desi Arnaz charm. And this is Hispanic. I mean, a lot of people yeah. also mentioned the, the black face thing. I mean, yeah. Bardem is white. I'm not saying, I mean, Oscar Isaac is a white Latino, but he has that thing, especially from Central America and that stuff and Cuba, Caribbean. He has that thing. I mean, he's from Guatemala. Uh, we totally have fit perfectly. I just don't see a dynamic between him and any one of them. Kate Blanchett playing Lucy, I don't. And then you have Nicole Kidman. That to me actually fits. Fits. It's not like fits perfectly. It fits. It works. Yeah. I thought she was okay. Yeah, but with Oscar Isaac, it's like nothing makes... I prefer things how it actually ended up being. So thank you, COVID. (laughs) Yeah. Doing some good in this world. We haven't we haven't thanked COVID enough. We haven't thanked COVID enough for the good things. No, it's, it's no thank you, COVID. <laughs> thank you for what you did. Thank you for the the cast of Ben Ricardis. Nothing this <laughs> morning called it, but did not thank you for the eyes of Tommy Faye. That was oh, wrong. wrong. <laughs> oh, that was. We got off on a tangent there, huh? Um, what else? Oh, also, West Side Story would have been. Uh, was another one that got pushed that had a leading actress at least campaign behind yeah, it. Yeah, but, but I nothing. It, it would be like just tickles. Rachel Sigler yeah. trying to tickle her opponents and probably Frances McDermott Martin saying, go back. Yeah. Go uh, to Hell's <laughs> Yeah, do we want to talk about the actual Best Actress nominees that we got now? The, yeah. the ones that we got in this race. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I know you have your strong opinions about these nominees in this race and i would like to hear them before i say anything hmm. uh which one do we start we start for the worst maybe actually the one that you believe i'm talking the worst and i i think i'm very oh. more resilient i want to yes i mean Frances mcdormand is the legend herself i'm not gonna deny that I love, love her performance in Three Billboards Outside, Ebbing, Missouri. I think it's one of the most epic performances that actually won an Oscar. I think it's brilliant. What happened to me in Nomadland is that it's a standard performance for an actress of her kind. And I did also did a rewatch of Nomadland. And I think that she actually acts and she does everything that the character needs. She does not need to do anything more or less. Just that to me, it's not an Oscar-worthy performance, especially for an actress that actually came with that level, that level of winning three years before for such a great performance. So it's like, but right now, she couldn't be like my least favorite performance. Actually, she was never my least favorite performance. I disguise more, um, it's like more Viola. Interesting. Viola is a puppet to me. And I'm sorry for saying it, but maybe after watching her playing for the Michelle Obama, I was like, mm, this is something that's not working. Something I've always been thinking about Viola is that she's a great actor, but she's a great actor when she has to construct a character, not an imitation one. She, she tends to fail into imitation when she has to play a real person. So to me, that's her fail. And that's what happened with Marina's Black Bottom. Uh, I think it's a movie that was designed at a certain point to make Chadwick Boseman look great. And he he does. I mean, he does a great job. But her is like, I, I, I don't know the real person. Maybe she was like that. But things 
kind of awkward for moments. So phony, like a performance that you could go into and sketch for Saturday Night Live. But she's a lovable actress. It's someone that I think Hollywood and critics are always kind of afraid of telling that Viola Davis gave a, a bad or an average performance. And actually an overreacted performance. I don't think it's bad. It's just overreacted. Uh, something that this year, well, yeah, last year we tried to say, okay, this is not wrong when the first clips from the the miniseries that she plays Michelle Obama came out. So people were like, oh, okay, well, maybe Viola Davis can actually be bad at something. And it's totally normal. People are not going to be okay and perfect in anything. But we, I think we should actually have this conversation with her in this black bottom. Just that Netflix puts her so much. And apparently that's the thing that why Vanessa Kirby even was lowered because Netflix was like, uh, that's what I read from the the thing that the person told me about the publicist the strategy that Netflix had that it had Weinstein Company because they wanted to put ben, uh, Viola Davis which makes sense, I mean she wins the, the side because apparently when they were given the demos uh, pieces of, of a woman was not even featured, so the voters were like, should I actually watch this movie? I now maybe someone that actually watched her in the crown or anything i mean she got the nomination she was never gonna win um so i think that then you have andrew j which i think it's it's a good performance for a newcomer but the typical performance that you expect for someone that is also a singer it's okay it's good i'm not gonna say it's bad it's a good it's a good performance it's a good category then you have caramelia that's another level my favorite is, of course, Vanessa. It's like if you had the top, it's with like Vanessa, top number one. Mm, a little bit behind you have Carrie, but also a great performance, especially for an actress as her, that she's always like playing more, yeah, more like uh, from another time characters, I'd say, another century characters, another. I think it's a very contemporary performance, really great out of her. And then I'd say I have Francis a little bit back. But I would say that right now that I try to being a little bit more objective, I would say she's a close number three. And then we say four and five, Andrew and Viola. I don't want people to be accusing me of saying anything. But it's like I, I'm I don't expect someone like Andrew J winning an Oscar for that. And it's not um, it's not a performance that I actually remember that much. And you see one year after, nobody's talking about that. And nobody's been talking about Viola and Maureen's Black Bottom. You're talking about Karen Milling, and of course, because it's a terrific performance. You're talking about Vanessa, because people are actually saying, oh, maybe she should have more than at least something. I don't know, the BAFTA? Maybe? Something. Could have been, yeah. Could have been. Uh and I think that people don't actually credit her enough. I mean, she was nominated for the BAFTA. She was the only one with Francis that was nominated for the BAFTA. You don't understand because Carrie's thing does not even make sense. I, I know that the voting system, wage European, that's why how they actually got out of the European Union because nothing in the UK makes sense. Uh, but I mean, the movie won Best British Film. It won Best Original Screenplay, Emerald Fennell. And then you got the lead actress out? No sense at all. Yeah. But then you have Vanessa that totally make it. Who knows? Yeah, that, that was one of those things that I remember. Because this was like truly up in the air. Up until uh, mm-hmm. uh, Renee Zellweger opened the 
envelope and read Frances McDormand's name was that everyone had something going for them and something going against them. Uh, like yeah. all five of them had just as much of a reason to say it could be them that wins or it could be uh, anyone else. Like it could specifically not be them. Mm-hmm. And, and like Kirby probably came last in the voting honestly because well she yeah if she could have won the BAFTA I think people will be like freaking out like oh if she had won literally anything other than the Volpe Cup like Mm -hmm. almost at that point an entire year prior I think she I mean she she had more chances and I think she probably was second or third in the BAFTA I I totally believe that imagine if she if she would have won people would be like because I remember people saying she could make it an Olivia Colman. But the fact, of course, Olivia won Golden Globe, but it was another category. But everybody would be like, oh, okay, Olivia Colman was winning when she won the BAFTA. And with Vanessa Kirby, it would turn out in the same case. When she lost, it was like, okay, your odds are really bad. But see, she was there. Yeah. And she's the only one, other than Frances, that shows up at all of the major precursors mm-hmm. at Globe, SAG, BAFTA, and Critics' Choice. Yeah, that, uh, everyone else misses at least one of the others. Uh, so Kirby has that going for her, but she's the only one of the five that hasn't won anything. Yeah, and... because it's not. It's I think that what came in favor and also against Carrie is that it's a passion performance. It's totally a passion big performance. Yes, exactly. Carrie, people loving it and people hating it. And yeah, like oh, this is totally bad. This. This movie is terrible. Yeah. Then you had Vanessa. She also has that against her. Yeah. Then you had Vanessa. It was like, even if you don't like the movie, you can't recognize it. She's not bad. Yes. Why not be your favorite? She's not bad. Yeah. She has that going against her is that uh, for reasons we've discussed, not necessarily a great movie. And the fact that it's not getting a a wayward nomination anywhere else except for Ellen Burstyn and all those critics places kind of shows that everyone was in agreement that it's not yep. really a, a movie worthy of other recognition. And like, but that you, but that's that you never stopped him before. Recognize her. Yes. And, I mean, I literally just came off last week talking about someone that did win on a, on a lone nomination. I've, I've done it enough times that like, mm-hmm. it is not out of the realm of possibility for that to happen. Even nowadays, like even still, like that still happens Regu- semi-regularly enough that it should never be something we just write off automatically as mm-hmm. like they they can't win because the movie's not being talked about anywhere else yeah. it's rare but it happens enough that that the, the, like that is not a disqualifier off no. off the off the bat because look at I mean, I know it's not lone acting, but if you see with Jessica Chastain for the eyes of Tammy Faye, the makeup itself is the thing that people get into the conversation. It's like you have her her performance, but then you are talking about her performance once because you're talking about the makeup. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's not on lone acting and they actually won the two Oscars, but still it's like nobody cared about anything else. And the hey. performance of Jessica Chastain is 70% also what happened with her makeup. Same almost exact thing with Judy as well. Yeah, totally. Being like, like that's also just actress and makeup. And yeah, those are the and only. Also, 
yeah. with you it's like it's a comeback it's yes. I, I know everybody knows who Renato Wagner is but still was like someone that was totally out of anything and she just came back and did a great comeback and you only talk about the hair makeup yeah if only Vanessa Kirby had a lot of makeup on in this movie <laughs> maybe then maybe then she could have won if she had the 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 lead the lady excess uh Jessica Chastain if she had the face of Tommy Faye she would probably have won yeah even Tommy Faye had a labor sort of given birth to scene if yeah. you had in Vanessa Kirby that that would be terrific. The nails. The, I remember the, the nails when she actually covers her face uh, and starts yeah. crying. If you get her nails, maybe you have won the Oscar. Maybe so. Maybe we should uh, let her know that for, for her next project. Yeah. Is just... For Carmel Mondrisco, who's actually, it's, it's actually pretty funny because I've seen uh, pictures and set of the Apple miniseries that Mondrisco is directing with Amanda Seyfried and Tom oh. Holland. Oh, wow. And Tom Holland somehow has like a pretty weird week. So I guess that he's like, okay, maybe I need this. He I haven't heard any of that, but Michael wow. Showalter. Yeah, yeah, that is maybe not the person who, whose playbook you're wanting to copy from. No, but he, in the same year, he nailed an Academy Award-winning performance and an Emmy Award-winning performance. Oh, yeah. Whatever. I guess so. I I guess maybe maybe he's And Amanda Seyfried is Andreska, so... Maybe makes sense. Full circle. Full circle. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about about this year's Oscars? We can kind of touch on supporting actress if we want, just because of the Burston pseudo be. presence. Because it's an it's an interesting year for supporting actress. Like I Best Actress is the only race from this year that I'll be actually covering on the show. So any opportunity to talk about the others is 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 welcome because I don't, I, I don't think that if FAA Twigs did not uh, cover anything and with a little bit of sentimental about anything uh, of Shia LaBeouf, maybe he could actually have scored and supporting actor nomination. He might have, but I don't, he's not very good in this movie. Not, no, I mean, uh, the category itself wasn't something that I would say, oh my God, amazing. I mean, Kaluuya is good, but at a certain point, people were like, hmm, was he actually the best one? I mean, people were, well, Sasha Baron Cohen even got a nomination, but people oh, were God, actually yeah. mentioning the trial that Chicago was saying, you could actually take anyone else. Michael Keaton, if he had an extra scene, he could get an, I would be totally pissed off. He didn't get a nomination yeah. for Spotlight, imagine him. But maybe he could have done, I don't know, what happened with the tender bar with Ben Affleck. Maybe yeah. one nomination of something. He could actually score. I don't think he would actually a critic something to just for being yeah, there. There. Were, there were a ton of people sort of like all fighting it out for that category or for that uh, mm. slot that ended up going to the Lakeith Stanfield out of nowhere. You had. Yeah. He was even, actually, he was even a campaigner's lead. He what? was. He was. But you had like uh, yes. Chadwick Boseman into Five Bloods. I mm-hmm. literally just this second remembered. For the first time since this year, that Jared Leto kept getting nominations for the oh, little things. Yeah, remember, remember that? that. Remember that? I, I, for a moment, Wild. I thought that movie was released in 2018, 2019. <laughs> it Why exists outside of time. It exists outside of anything. No um, way. 
why is Jared Leto somehow always in the conversation? That I creeps me out. Don't know, but there was there was like David Strathairn was getting mm-hmm. some some air for yeah, Nomadland. Uh, Bill Murray got a couple things for On the Rocks, that Sofia yeah. Coppola movie that we've all mm-hmm. also forgotten he about. Nominated for uh, Critics uh, Choice. and also for the Golden Globe, movie. I think. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, he's he got nominated it. for the Golden Globe, and he was with a Hawaiian shirt drinking whiskey. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that uh, people were talking about him and Jason Sudeikis wearing a hoodie and and being very high uh, when he gave his speech. <laughs> um, I remember like. There was a lot of talk at the very end about Alan Kim because uh, voting mm-hmm. ended right uh, around the time he gave that really adorable uh, Critics Choice speech yeah. when he won for Best Young Actor. And he started crying and it was very cute. And then he also got the BAFTA nomination. So there was like uh, an actual I possibility. I was concerned that if he wasn't even considered as a lead actor because he's actually pretty lead in the movie. Oh, he is. But they don't. According to the Academy, kids cannot be the leads of movies. That's just how it works. But what's the Uh, Yeah, like very rarely they will actually go for it. But like Haley Steinfeld and True Grit. They they put a kid. But I I mean, I think about Jacob Tremblay or. Yes. Well, Jacob Tremblay was nominated for the second supporting actor. Yeah. He was clearly the lead, even more lead than Bill Larson. Absolutely. They they just uh that's how it works, apparently, if you're a voter. Mm, yeah. Weird. Wild year for I, I'm trying to imagine with, with Jude Hill. I mean, I, I know yeah. people Jude Hill, but he was truly the lead. I think they just they didn't even try for it. No. They, did, they didn't even try to campaign him in I general. To imagine what's going to happen with the Fable Mans. Yeah, because apparently they just said Michelle Williams is going lead for that. If I... Michelle Williams is lead, then what the kids are going to be. Ooh, I'm, I'm totally confused. Maybe, maybe because it's, it's a supporting split role. Michelle Williams lead. Everyone getting a nomination. Michelle Williams out of the conversation. Or she could surprise. Yeah, they, they really shot themselves in the foot on that one, didn't they? Yeah, um, I don't know why. Yeah, speaking of supporting actress. I'm saying that maybe uh, Spielberg is trying to get full circle because Daniel Day-Lewis won lead actor, Mark Rylan supporting, and Randall Bowes supporting actor. So he's like, I need a lead actress. Like Michelle yeah. Williams like, okay, I will sacrifice for the team. Don't worry. If only they had just had the foresight to give it to Whoopi. Mm-hmm. If only. But still, Michelle Williams already somehow has an Oscar in her house. So she probably she would just look at that thing and be like, do I need one of those? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of... Oh, category yes. last year, it was actually quite open at a certain moment. It was. She, she was actually putting like, okay, she might be winning after the sex, before that, people were actually thinking Bacalobo was in, getting it. Yeah, yeah. It was like... And at first, people were saying it was Glenn Close. Glenn Close was like the front-runner sight unseen yeah. for so long, which was is yeah. crazy in retrospect. Um, that would be so bad. I mean, it's so, She's not the problem. She's not the problem with it, but she doesn't help. No, but still, it's like, Probably her worst Oscar-nominated performance. I'm sorry. And uh, she... the Albert Knobs is right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I think I hate more a Hillbilly Elegy. 
it's a worse movie. Only because but I think, I it's think the she's worse. Yeah. Of Amy Adams. So That's I'm fair. Sure. That's fair. Um, Thornov's mm, bad, yeah. still bad. Still I think bad. it's the still tie. pretty. Bad. Now that you mention it, it's the tie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, this was. I, I remember when people were when reactions were coming out of Venice and there was so much praise for Burston alongside yeah. Kirby. It was like, oh, Ellen Burston hasn't been nominated in 20 years. She's a, a beloved veteran and she has a, a big monologue, uh, which when you watch the movie, it's like 20 seconds. And also because but, Anthony Hopkins was getting into the yes. conversation. So people were like, veterans Close. are coming back. And this was also right yeah. around the time where Sophia Loren was like hitting mm-hmm. the peak of her uh, yeah, potential. I remember a certain point people saying that Sophia Loren was actually winning. Yeah. I mean, and people also, say a lot of things all during the whole season, but I do remember when they were actually really praising Sophia Loren. Yeah. And she's also very good in that movie, too. Like, she's that's a good, good performance that it's got hurt break. by the fact, it got hurt by the fact that Italy didn't submit it as their, their foreign mm-hmm. feature. Um, and she was not campaigning as Penelope Cruz did. So, yes. This but, year, yeah. so. Um, but yeah, Burston was like, in the conversation for a while kind of fell off eventually when people when people just stopped talking about her and we yep. all just realized maybe that's just not a thing anymore no uh, because he got a lot of concentrated in vanessa which of course i'm grateful for it uh but it was like i, I think it was wide open the category she would totally be a little bit more campaign i probably think that she would be like i wouldn't say she was number six or number seven but totally top ten Yes, I would say, like, it's weird to look back and think about who else was in that conversation because Jodie Foster wins the Golden Globe for the Mauritanian. Mauritanian. But and you also have, like, uh, the kid from News from the World. The, uh, oh. News of the World? News? Yes, the, the, that... she was nominated. She for... got SAG and I think also Globe nominated. Uh, Helena or Zengel. Critics. Yeah. Or something. Like. I know she was German. SAG nominated. Yes, I know she was SAG nominated at least. And she was... Mm. Good in that for Maybe a movie that doesn't, like... yeah, for a movie that people only care because Tom Hanks with a kid was with Tom Hanks, right? Yeah, yes, Tom Hanks, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was Paul you know, Greengrass, I think. Back, there's a moment that wasn't Tom Hanks, I don't know. I mean, it's because there's so many of those movies every year, uh, and Tom Hanks trying to be like a cute person, <laughs> yeah. except in Elvis, yes. Oh, oh, god, yeah. Um. But yeah, I would I would imagine like at least after those two, Burston, she got the Globe nomination. She got a bunch of or not Globe, a Critics Choice nomination, a bunch of those other critics places. She won a few of them. Uh, again, it's Ellen Burston, like she yeah, just has that going for her. You're so giving that performance with such a very strong young actress. Yeah, I think if Netflix oh, just if Netflix doesn't already have. Amanda Seyfried and Glenn Close mm-hmm. on top of yeah. uh, Vanessa Kirby and Gary Oldman and Chadwick Boseman and uh, Viola, Davis Viola Davis and Sacha Baron Cohen. That is, and that's just of the ones that got nominated like on mm. top of, because they also had the little things. They also had Jared Leto in the, oh, they God. had The Five Bloods with, that the they were bloods. doing. That, that was Boseman the one. I mean, Chadwick Boseman like, was at a certain point being told that he was getting a double nomination. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think just Burston, she had, she had some stuff going for her, hurt by the yeah. fact that people weren't watching the movie, really. 
we would totally prefer if you don't have plain clothes. I'd be much better fit to say, oh, it's a comeback of Ellen Burstyn. And yeah, clap a little yeah. bit. Especially because at that point, we knew Glenn Close wasn't going to win. It was kind no, of a... No, it was pathetic. Uh, yes. Her. It was like, we. I talked about this when I covered Venus a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, about how that wasn't seen as an early front runner because Peter O'Toole's never won an Oscar. And then people watched the movie and it wasn't very good at all. Yep. And he's not terrible in it, but he's not doing anything special. But no, just but by it's... virtue of the fact that it was such an early front runner and he is such mm. a name legend, such a like he has that but status even behind him. Even just for being a legend, then you have the honorary Oscars. You don't need yes. this. It, I mean, it's, uh, it's the same thing that happened with Glenn. Like it was, yeah. it was kind of sad to watch her go through that whole season knowing she wasn't going yeah. to win. And it was like, they were just taunting her at that point. No, it was like, they were actually mocking her. It was like, you're making fun of her. Because even during the, I mean, going to a ceremony that was pretty pathetic because of the whole concept of COVID. And then you have her like dancing with the, the, I know the song, the bud. It was like, isn't it more pathetic enough? Just get someone else to do this joke. You Imagine, but like, like, okay, you kind of make more fun out of you which you're like mm, okay yeah but now i'm just imagining ellen burston doing that joke and i don't know how that would have worked <laughs> <laughs> that could be bad but at least ellen burston has an oscar that's true because um, i don't think she put her oscar i i don't think she handled her oscar to gina Rowlands. like okay gina this is yours yeah uh yeah no, this is an it's an interesting supporting actress race i'm glad that yunya jung was able to actually win i think that's yeah. such a, a good and cool and really good very nice and, win and, yeah yeah and also that the fact that they couldn't go for the classic for the typical that you expect hollywood and academy to get you someone different and i remember her speech that she was making fun of brad Pitt because of obvious reasons um but it was good. I mean, it, it was the kind of actress that you don't expect to win and that she actually does not have interest in winning, but she still deserves it because it's a different reality of her as a foreign actress. Yeah. So I'm totally okay with that. Yes. I, I, I like it. Like, so sort of the same thing that happened with Troy Kotzer, where mm. someone, where like the, the buzz around them mounts because it's a good performance and they're a good presence yeah. and it's nothing to do with oh, here's this person that deserves an Oscar because of the baggage of their career yeah. no. and, like, the the heft of, like, this name person needs an Oscar. Yeah. No, it's just, like, this great performance from an act, like, and also not, like, a young new discovery. Yeah. Like this, Someone this... that already has a career that has already fought for what they have. Yes, and has been working oh, for... Like decades for both of them like yeah and and also movies that they never thought when they actually signed for making them they never thought they were gonna have any bus at all so it's yes. like okay i'm I'm fine with that and it's that not she blockbuster and that she got to give him his oscar i think yeah that moment that, yeah. is and great. also this year that she posted a couple of weeks ago that she actually encountered or he posted that she actually met with her and was like, okay, that's the kind of thing that I actually end up watching the Oscars. Yes. Because of things that that that, that kind of the relationship that they construct. Or also I remember Paul Rassi being nominated last year. That he, yes. to me was amazing. In I loved his that. performance. 
he was Love. he was probably my favorite. Yeah, and it was actually meet up with Tricotster, and it's like, okay, you're constructing something that it's bigger than just giving an Oscar to someone who's well known and people are just praising because people are saying, I don't know, that Jessica Chastain was overdue. I think she's an excellent performer, but not for this. Um, so I admire that stuff. Or also the fact that Vanessa got nominated because you had so many big names around it, but you had this actress that's been in the conversation. And I just said, you know, for, for Chippo, I mean, she gave a wonderful performance in The Crown, but someone that's a theater actress, someone that's not pretty interesting. And you actually even see her right now. She's not someone that's always talking and trying to be in the conversation. She's just acting for what she believes. So it's like, okay, maybe the pandemic actually gets something really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think sort of the thing that just, I don't know, that sort of makes this year that we're talking about feel so (laughs) special when it comes to that is that more than half of the nominated actors are uh, receiving their first nomination. Yes. Uh, Bozeman, Riz Ahmed, Stephen Young, Vanessa Kirby, Andra Day, Paul Racy, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Sacha Baron Cohen, Leslie Autumn Jr., Maria Bakalova, and Amanda Seyfried, all mm-hmm. receiving their first Oscar nominations, uh, which, I mean, it, it, every year it happens. Every year there's always a handful yeah. of actors getting their first nominations, but like, Rarely does it happen on that wide a scale where it is more than half of the nominees. Yeah, and also people struggling a lot because of the pandemic, their releases were pretty wide. I mean, you had the a platform, so pretty like adjusted to what happened. So it's like seeing so many people actually that people were focusing on not big names. I mean Amanda Seyfried is a big name and Risa Man was someone already well known, but not for this type of conversation. Yes. So I think it's quite good. Yeah. I just I love all of them. All those people. Like there 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 are a lot of yeah. actors that I'm I'm glad have Oscar nominations now. Like yes. I was so scared that whole season that Stephen Yeun was going to be the one that missed in Best Actor, that he was going to be the name that got left off. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy that it, it actually happened yeah. for him. Like, yeah. I don't know, just th- that that one specifically, I, I holds a, a warm place in my heart. Yeah, that, that yeah. well, in my case, yeah, I mean, I mean, and it was also a career-defining performance for him. Yes, a real... Very special, like, because of, of the sense of that the movie has for someone like him. Yeah, uh, and it makes I think the exact same thing with Vanessa because if she was left out in favor to someone else, she was trying a lot. Um, I mean, I don't know if, for example, people are saying, and I know the the son is not very well received, but she's people are looking at her, and why people are looking at her, and why Florence Seller was looking at her because of that. And also, I have to think. I mean, you have to think, Kate Blanchett. If someone like Kate Blanchett, that is also a theater actress was putting her eye into this actress is for something. So it's like, okay. And you say, okay, but she was already non for the crown. That doesn't mean anything. I'm, I mean, look, look at Claire Foy. Right now she's in the conversation, but still at the time she worked with Damien Chiselle and she was left out and she already was an Emmy Award winning actress. So what's yeah. that for the Kirby? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's a that's a good note for us to end off on. I mm-hmm. think that, that, that uh, wraps up a lot of what we're getting at here i think that uh yeah i think we got it yeah so uh so uh with that oh i mean did you have anything else you wanted to say i don't, I don't want to just cut us off entirely was there no i think 
I think we covered a lot. We were pretty resilient, like the ending of Pieces of a Woman. <laughs> yes, with with the uh, a surprisingly uplifting ending for this dour movie where uh, <laughs> everything's okay because she had another kid and this kid climbs apple trees uh, and there's apples because the baby smells yeah, like she's apple and apples. Yeah, she smell the baby smell like apples and that was a one. I don't know. I don't know. Poorly written script. Gummy bear. Gummy bear ending. Yeah. So uh, with that, we can move on to our final segment. So in your fantasy world, where you get to pick all of the nominations, what nominations would you have given to Pieces of a Woman? I'm okay with Best Actress and probably Best Supporting Actress, and that's it for me. Yeah, same here. Although the the real question is, Molly Parker or Ellen Burstyn, or both? (laughs) That's tough. It, as if it were for me and not looking at the odds, I would totally prefer Molly Parker. Yeah, I, I am with you on that. I I still I, I love if she had one extra scene. Yeah, I think be, if she had one extra scene, she would have been she would have been maybe even a lock for a nomination because yeah. what she's doing is just so strong. She only needs, it's just a conversation with Martha. Just have three I, minutes. I cannot believe this movie doesn't have another scene with the two of them interacting. It's for sense. all the things for all the white stripes talk. Why no. why is there not a scene with the two of them? You may get an 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 I adore Sarsnook, but you got more Sarsnook, and I was already pissed off with her presence. I was like Brian Cox in Succession, just being pissed off with Sheep. Yeah, and like for those of you that don't know Valentina, for her to be annoyed at the presence of Sarah Snook is really <laughs> something. That, that... I adore she Roy, but God no. Yeah. So yeah, I think uh with that, that'll do it for this uh for this episode. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I had a great time talking about this movie with you. I had a great time talking to you, Gordon. So thank you for having me. Yeah, so uh where can people find you and your stuff? Well, you can find me on Letterboxd and on Twitter. Uh my user is Starcobition, like one division, but only Starco. Um, I was hoping Dan and you have uh, things I tried to write, but mostly in Spanish. So I apologize in advance for my uh, apologize in backwards for if I had any as an Anon once told me uh, bad English. I don't know what else something told me like well, he told me that I had a bad English. Of course, Spanish is speaking, but yeah, I'm always around there talking about Vanessa Kirby, of course, and that's right on. Uh, you can find this show on Twitter and Letterboxd at Lone Acting Noms and on Instagram at The Lone Acting Nominees. That'll be it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.